Thank you for tuning in. And welcome to part two of the special two-part series on critical and strategic thinking for this new era. This episode is designed to build on and advance what we began in part one with our focus on critical thinking, which we did so specifically in the context of some of the biggest issues and opportunities we face in AEC, including those associated with private equity and M&A, remote and hybrid work, and technology. In this episode, we continue as we specifically take on and go deep into employee engagement, team and organizational development, and personal and professional success, and do so through the very powerful lens of strategic thinking. So without any further delay, let's do it. Welcome to AEC Leadership Today, the podcast designed exclusively for engineering, architecture, and construction industry leaders who want to stay relevant and effective. The show takes on the most pressing issues facing the AEC industry and was created to help you and your firm grow and prosper in the 21st century. The host of AEC Leadership Today is Pete Atherton, a professional engineer and former AEC principal and owner turned AEC coach and consultant. And now, take a break from your never-ending to-do list and welcome Peter Atherton. Welcome to part two of the special two-part series focused on thinking, particularly the types of critical and strategic thinking needed to achieve greater growth, impact, and success in this new era. Part one focused on critical thinking, and here as part of part two, our focus is on strategic thinking. Now, as we begin, let me just say that strategic thinking is not strategy, strategic planning, or what it takes to succeed with strategy or strategic plan execution. These are all very different. Now, certainly a strategy or strategic plan can and often emerges from strategic thinking, but they are not the same. And I may focus a future podcast episode on these differences. But what I will say, based on my experience as both a practitioner back in the day and as a strategic planner today, that a lack of strategic thinking is a big reason why the majority of strategic plans languish and fail, which I have recently written about and will separately link to as part of the show notes. So for now, and to help set us up for future planning and strategy success, let's focus in on strategic thinking. Strategic thinking is a process designed to generate unique insights that can then be applied to achieve a goal or set of goals on individual team and organizational levels, and is as much about synthesis as it is analysis. Strategic thinking relies on critical thinking, which is why we covered that first in part one. And in comparison to critical thinking, strategic thinking is as much art and skill as it is a choice and is something we can get progressively better at. All that being said, strategic thinking requires us to do three things. Number one, find or generate both obvious and non-obvious insights from both available and new information, research, and pattern matching. 
Number two, strategic thinking requires a systems approach to problem solving and opportunity creation. With a systems approach or systems thinking being the process of seeing and understanding how all the different parts and pieces could or need to connect, whether they be new dots or a mixture of both new and old dots connected in new or different ways, and could also include the use of different models and frameworks to aid in or be forcing functions for problem solving and opportunity creation. And number three, strategic thinking requires that we think in time at the same time. And that we must simultaneously think about the past, the present, and the future, and the implications of such, as we look to create better presence and futures of our choosing. In essence, strategic thinking is a process of considering how unique insights do, have, or could work in the context of the bigger picture of connected realities to help us better understand all that's needed to achieve that better present or future of our choosing. The identification of only obvious presenting issues and opportunities, the sharing of our intuition alone, or our reliance on reflexive thinking rooted in how we experience or have experienced work in life is not strategic and is not good enough to lead our teams and firms to a better or more sustained future. Also, if we're not finding or generating new insights that can later be acted upon for positive change, if we're not thinking in terms of systems or bigger picture connected realities, and if we're not thinking in terms of time, past, present, and future, we're not strategically thinking. All that being said, for this episode, I'd like to highlight all three of these aspects of strategic thinking in the context of employee engagement, team and organizational development, and personal and professional success. In terms of employee engagement, I'm going to start with a system model I built several years ago to better understand connections in order to generate unique insights that can then be applied to more sustainably achieve organizational growth and prosperity. In terms of team and organizational development, I'm going to start with a critical thinking-derived insight and then think through it in terms of time and our work systems in order to identify better and more strategic ways to solve the problem of senior talent burning out and more junior talent feeling disconnected. And finally, in terms of personal and professional success, I'm going to also start with a critical thinking-derived insight but then show how to strategically think about and build a model to help us better use and leverage our time as a means to improve our overall ability to succeed. So number one, an example of how to more strategically think about employee engagement. For many years, data on employee engagement has been crystal clear. If we can create and maintain alignment between the goals, interests, and passions of our employees, and those of our teams and organization, all kinds of good stuff happens in terms of belonging, value creation, growth, and success. Over the years, and to some degree still today, employee engagement became a buzzword too many people threw around 
without a true understanding of really what it was, how we got it, how we grew it, and how we maintained it. Even in the not-too-distant past, when I was still in practice as a principal and major firm owner, this bothered me. And so when I began my transition into what I do today and was writing my first book on reversing burnout, I made the choice and took the time to do some critical thinking and research into employee engagement. What I developed was what I eventually called the target logic model for work today, which I'll make sure I include an image of in the show notes. I first learned about and began to use logic models more than a decade ago when I was deep into nonprofit community development work. A logic model is simply an expression of all the ingredients that go into producing a desired result and presents elements in the context of inputs, activities, outputs, and outcomes, and is an example of using a systems approach for both critical and strategic thinking. Now, no one model is ever 100% accurate or inclusive, but that's never the point. Again, well-crafted and designed models and frameworks are often great forcing functions for problem solving and opportunity creation. In fact, I love and often lean into the saying, all models are wrong, but some are very useful as I'm working with different firms and leadership teams. My goal in developing and working through the target logic model for work today was pretty big. It was to discover and analyze both the first and second order connections between individual employees and team and organizational growth and profits so that they could then be better understood and leveraged more strategically and systematically. At that time, the following insights became known, some obvious and some non-obvious. And actually, before I get into the specific insights, let me talk a bit about obvious and non-obvious insights. Sometimes non-obvious insights are hiding right below the surface, and sometimes these are much deeper. But often, once we see and begin to work with and better understand what was previously non-obvious, it becomes obvious, and thus more easily and effectively acted upon, which really speaks to the impact of making the choice and taking the time to more critically and strategically think more about our key issues and opportunities. Okay, that said, the following obvious and non-obvious insights became known through the development and use of the target logic model for work today. And listening or re-listening to me while looking at the actual target logic model for work today graphic in the show notes, as you take this in and digest it, will be helpful for sure. Insight number one is that organizational growth and profits are outcomes not outputs or activities, we cannot just turn these on. Organizational growth and profits are the results of many things done well over time, having good employees, our inputs, doing good work, our activities, that generates value, outputs, is what ultimately produces growth and profits, again, outcomes. And you cannot buy growth and profits either. You can buy contracts, account receivables, work in progress, 
and some means of production, but true growth and profits are earned. And they're earned through value creation. As just buying a farm and harvesting this season's crops doesn't automatically make us farmers. Insight number two is that employee engagement is an output, not an input or activity. Employee engagement is not a thing we can find or do. Employee engagement is a function of both the individual and the work. And more specifically, having work that has meaning and purpose to that individual. Insight number three is that employee engagement is also produced and sustained through culture. And that our culture, how we work, and the actual behaviors we talk about, reward, incentivize, or allow to occur that affect our work environment can either produce a vicious or a virtuous cycle related to employee engagement, and by extension, value creation and organizational growth and profits. And like insight number one, the type of culture that would positively drive value creation and organizational growth and profits, a thriving culture, is an outcome that cannot be just turned on. Now, in working with literally dozens of firms and thousands of industry professionals over the past five plus years, I've continued to validate the model while also discovering deeper level insights related to hiring, engaging, developing, and retaining more great inputs or employees, creating and sustaining more work with meaning and purpose throughout our different work and life seasons, and better ways to create and sustain value creation through the use of processes, systems, technologies, and proactive experience and culture design in both group and one-on-one -on -one settings. All of which became possible only after the model was created, talked about, and used to critically and strategically think through how to make work better and achieve more sustainable organizational growth and profits. There's a lot more we could talk about here, but this certainly gets us moving in a more strategically thoughtful direction related to employee engagement. So with the target logic model for work today, as an example of a systems approach to generate insights to more strategically think about employee engagement and organizational growth and prosperity, let's now transition to our second example related to team and organizational development. For this, let's begin with an insight. Think about that in the context of time in our work systems in order to determine the best ways to address the growing problem of burnout and disengagement that will not solve itself. The critical thinking-derived insight is our shape problem as an industry. The fact is, as an industry, we generally have a lot of senior talent with 20 or more years of experience and a lot of more junior talent with less than 10 years of experience. And comparatively, a little middle in terms of talent with the coveted 10 to 15 years of experience. We are effectively in the shape of an hourglass as an industry and by extension, most firms. However, this is in contrast to how many of us think of ourselves. Many of us think of ourselves as being in the shape of a pyramid with leaders and more senior people at the top 
managers in the middle, and practitioners at the bottom. And this disconnect is a contributing factor to many of the problems and missed opportunities we continue to face today. Now, if we take a step back and think in terms of time, we were more in the shape of a pyramid up until about 30 to 35 years ago when Gen X and technology started entering the workplace and computer and software engineering became a career option for more technically inclined students. This in and of itself may have been enough to alter our industry shape over time, but there were also other elements at play, which helped bring us to where we are today. First, if we think back to the late 1980s and early 1990s, not only did we have the smaller Gen X generation coming into the workplace with many more career options, we had pretty widespread corporate, quote unquote, re-engineering initiatives, which was business speak for doing more with less and cutting out middle management and administrative support. At that point, we had engineers and architects starting to type their own letters and specifications and do their own CAD work. This continued into the early 2000s, even as these engineers and architects became managers, which also decreased our opportunities and abilities to function as a true team and develop talent. The bigger reshaping event and accelerant to our less developed team and talent development skills, however, is the Great Recession, which occurred about 10 to 15 years ago from 2007 to 2012, when many younger engineers and architects were forced out of the industry and relatively few joined. During those Great Recession years, we continued to do more with less out of necessity, but now as even more senior professionals, with less junior staff. And this generally remained in place through much of the 20 teens, as so many of us were slow to hire. This all fed into what I call the superhero leadership management model so many of us practice, and the high performance hamster wheel so many of us can't seem to get off of, both of which I spoke about in episode 92 on the four major shifts changing everything and both of which are now coming under attack and being largely rejected by both junior and senior talent. Now, with the continued heavy influx of Gen Z and native digital talent since the late 20-teens, we can see why as an industry, and again, many firms by extension, are primarily in the shape of an hourglass with very little middle and very little time or skills to prevent or reverse senior level burnout, or to effectively engage, develop, and retain more junior talent. Just two of the bigger consequences to not truly understanding and then not proactively and effectively addressing our shape problem. Not only do I see this across organizations of all shapes and sizes, it's also clear in the data. Part of the design of our annual original industry-wide research is to uncover key insights to help us better understand and to critically and strategically think about what's happening and why as we consider our next best steps. I'll include a very telling graphic as part of the show notes we developed as part of our most recent present and future of work in engineering and architects report. The graphic is entitled Reasons for Turnover per Generation and clearly shows by design how our shape problem is manifesting differently in terms of employee turnover. In the data, 
it's clear that the top reasons for considering a job change for those of us with less than 10 years of experience are associated with career advancement, more flexible work, and compensation. And for those of us with 20 plus years of experience, the reasons are high levels of stress, career advancement, ineffective leadership, too much work for one person, and not feeling valued. So now that we've strategically thought about our shape problem in terms of both time and our work systems, and also found or generated new insights based on research and pattern matching, we are much better positioned to identify and plan strategies to best address. How to address these moves us more into strategy and strategic planning, which again is different than strategic thinking, but what I will say is that any strategy or plan to address team and organizational development moving forward must contain more thoughtful, targeted, and effectively designed training and development, as well as proactively designed agile, team-centric, and peer-to-peer -peer work environments to purposefully bridge gaps, overcome decades-old limiting work habits, and create new opportunities for success across teams, firms, and generations. Some of which I've already talked about as part of previous episodes, and some of which I'm planning future episodes to unpack further. Okay, we've specifically thought about employee engagement in the context of a model I developed, and team and organizational development in terms of a key insight and a look through time. For number three, Let's now more strategically think about personal and professional success in the context of a new model we can all build for ourselves based on a key insight related to our time. The key insight is that our use of time is the single most important leading indicator for our ability to succeed both personally and professionally. If we think about it, we have very likely succeeded in the areas we have chosen to spend our time and have very likely failed or failed to achieve full potential or results in areas we have decided not to spend our time. Our use of time is especially important as leaders and managers. From a strategic thinking perspective, our ability to spend the time to develop our own people and team success skills is the key to developing better and higher functioning teams. And our ability to develop better and higher functioning teams is the key to having more time for our own greater personal and professional development and success. And developing better and higher functioning teams is also the key to greater employee engagement and greater organizational growth, impact, and prosperity. There is certainly a need for better team, people, and leadership and management success skills. But if we don't personally make the time to convert that information into knowledge, knowledge into skills, and skills into mastery, it's often just a wasted or missed opportunity for both us and our teams until we as leaders and managers decide to do different. Again, a big reason we are where we are today is because of the way we did or didn't use our time. 
and the way we choose to use our time today and moving forward will directly correlate to where we end up in the future. Whether that's as a leader of one or more high-functioning teams or one stuck on the burnout, stress, no-time hamster wheel. I specifically spoke about time and time management in episode 77 entitled Designing Our Ideal Day to End the Chaos, which I'll also link to in the show notes. I won't go into the details here again, but if you're interested in thinking more strategically about time and building your own model to achieve higher levels of personal and professional, as well as team and organizational success, it's absolutely worth it. So as we close, as leaders, it is critical that we make the time to think and to do so both critically and strategically, especially in the face of so much change and with so much on the line. And whether you and your team need to become incrementally better or exponentially different to achieve the level of growth, impact, and success you desire, I hope this special two-part series helps you. And again, you can check out the show notes for additional information and all the links that I referenced. I'm already looking forward to our next episode. And in the meantime, please reach out to me with any questions and please take care and stay safe. Well, that's a wrap. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to and rate this podcast on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to the show from. There are links on my website and in the show notes to do so. And please also share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. It really helps to continue to get us established, and I truly appreciate that. And it also helps to get the word out to others so that together we can collectively grow and positively impact the lives of others both inside and beyond our organizations. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of AEC Leadership Today. If you want to stay relevant and effective and take your growth and prosperity to new levels, it's time to take action. To learn more about how Pete can help take you and your firm to the next level, visit www.actionsprove.com. That's www.actionsprove.com. See you next time on the AEC Leadership Today podcast.